Kind of makes you kind of makes you hungry, doesn't it? Pasta. Come on now. Don't tell me you didn't think that. Hey, listen, welcome. If you're here for the first time or the first time in a long time, welcome home. It's good to have you here. My name is Lance. I'm glad to be with you. Welcome, Fox Island. Good to see you guys. See you in a little bit. And uh, super excited about what God's doing in our church. We, the last several weeks, we've been talking about encountering the Holy Spirit. Have you been getting stuff out of that? A couple of you? Awesome, right? It's amazing, isn't it, to spend time talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about God's Holy Spirit. I love it because I know that as a, as a four-square pastor, oftentimes, it's, uh, he's one of the squares, the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is one of the squares, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Come on. I don't know if you knew that. Did you know that the, did you know the squares had names? <laughs> Somebody came up to me and said, I thought the squares were love, men, train, and send. <laughs> Let it be, but not necessarily. I can tell you that. I can tell you this, right? So we get to talk about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk today about the Holy Spirit again, encountering the Holy Spirit. Listen, if there's one thing we need today more than anything else is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. No, seriously, right? We need to encounter his Holy Spirit. We need to spend some time figuring out how to engage with the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit wants to engage in us, how the Holy Spirit wants to engage through us. I think oftentimes we get so, so wrapped up around how we deliver the groceries on talking about the Holy Spirit that we never actually function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you today about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get there in a minute, but I want to spend some time really beginning to unpack and, and repack and share through some of the things that we've talked about over the last several weeks. There's no way I'm going to be able to go back and uncover or unpack all that stuff, so do me a favor and please either go to the podcast or watch it online. You can see, but you, you need to spend some time. You can even email the church at info at pugetsoundfoursquare.com and you can get all of my notes and, and we'll get that to you. I want to do that to you because I feel like it's really imperative in this season of time that we get an opportunity to understand the Holy Spirit a little more, right? Come on, you know how important it is. Let me tell you this. That's interesting. The, the Bible says, uh, the, by the way, I'm going to jump around a little bit, guys, so sorry, media, again, forgive me. But in 2 Thessalonians, listen to this. The Bible talks about the end times. And listen, I don't know where you sit or stand in the process of this whole end time moment, but I'm believing that we're kind of well, in the midst of the end time moment. Fair? I don't know, man. Look around. It's getting crazier and weirder, right? This is, listen to this. Listen to what it says about the end times in 2 Thessalonians. This is crazy. It says that 2 Thessalonians, talking about a season of time at some point in the future from the writing of this, listen to what it says. God will send a great deception or delusion upon them, and they will believe all these lies. Translation. At the end of time, God's going to give people over to believe whatever they want to believe. And it's going to feel delusional. How many of you have been talking to somebody and you're like, dude, are you delusional? <laughs> How many of you are talking to somebody and you're like, seriously, are you, are you watching the same thing I'm watching? Are you hearing the same thing I'm hearing? Right? How many of you have like children or parents and you're just like, mom, turn that channel off enough. You've become delusional, right? Right? You know, here's the funny thing. They think the same about you, right? We're in a world that's craziness. The Bible says in the end times, it's just going to get weirder and weirder. The actual translation of this passage is this. In the end times, God's going to let people decide what it is they want to think and actually believe it. If you need the Holy Spirit in your life at any other time, I don't know when. 
You need him now because we're speaking and showing the light. We're showing the light of Christ in the midst of a world that's gone delusional. You need his Holy Spirit like never before. Amen? Amen. Come on. Jesus, help us with this. So who is God's Holy Spirit? We talked about this. God's Holy Spirit is simply God's Spirit. How do we get God's Holy Spirit in us? You get him at salvation. Yay. Come on now. We get him at salvation. It says in Romans 8, 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit of living, God living in you, listen to this part. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not even Christians at all. It's so important you realize that. Oftentimes, and this is where some of our, our, our Baptist brethren and some of the other people here, they're just like, see, you get the Holy Spirit at salvation, so why do you need to experience a baptism in the Holy Spirit? Such a good question. Some of it's just a matter of semantics. The truth is, when you ask Jesus into your heart, when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you say, I want to become a Christian and say the sinner's prayer, the Bible says he comes and inhabits you. Yay. He lives inside of you. Somebody say amen. amen. In my opinion, it's as if he lights the pilot light on your gas fireplace of life. He comes in and just lights it. It's lit. Here's what that pilot light's good for. It's good for keeping you warm. It's good for making you, oh, you warm, you, just you, yay, you. But God's intention wasn't just to impact you. His intention, as my sister from Tennessee would say, is to impact y'all, right? In other words, he wants the pilot light lit so that the gas switch can be flipped and then the whole room gets filled, right? In other words, I believe the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you at salvation, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when he literally, woof, heats up the room. At salvation, you're warm. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, the rest of the world feels the heat. Amen? Somebody tweet that. That was good. Come on, that was good. Here we go. Baptism into Jesus is a one-time thing. You get salvation. One-time event. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, also a one-time thing. That's when literally he comes and ignites, not, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when he fills up the whole room around you, right? So last week we spent some time talking about two things. Again, I'm going fast, so go listen to the podcast. There are a couple of things. We talked about speaking in tongues, amen? We talked about speaking in tongues, I love it. And if you were confused about that, welcome home, right? There's some stuff we talked about and we, we did, I sent some illustrations and all that, right? Talking about speaking in tongues and we talked about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Sometimes we use those words interchangeably. We say the baptism, the infilling, the whatever. Let me just let you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens one time. First of all, you get saved. Second time, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The rest of your life, you get filled and filled and filled and refilled over and over again. The infilling of the Holy Spirit can happen right now. It can happen over and over again. Some of you are absolutely bone dry and you need a new infilling. Some of you have been living in such hurt and pain that you're like, God, I don't even know what to do. I don't know up from down, but I need a new infilling. Come on. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why God brought you here to is to fill you. What, what is the Holy Spirit supposed to bring into your life? Comfort, counsel, power. I'm gonna be honest with you and tell you that there are people here today Perhaps you who needs comfort, counsel, and power. Come on. If that's you, I want you to know I'm so glad you're here. Listen up. 
God's got something for you. Today I want to talk to you the rest of our time. Again, I'm not going to finish today. I'm going to do my best, but all my notes are available. You can get the rest of them later. But let me just tell you this. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Man, if there's a confusing element in the body of Christ today, it's about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right? The Paul the Apostle was writing in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. Paul takes some time. The Apostle Paul, he takes some time and he begins to address the church of Corinth. And what he's saying to the church of Corinth, after he had planted it a few years earlier, let me tell you this, he started this church, once he left and he turned it over to somebody, it just got weird, right? It just started getting weird. I'm not going to go into all the details of what they did, but they got weird, right? I can tell you, if you ever started a business, you turned it over to somebody and you went back there and you're like, wow, it's weird now. <laughs> no? <laughs> Start one, watch. I can tell you, it happens, right? It'll happen every time. All over again, this happened to the Apostle Paul. It just got weird. Why, why do things get weird when you turn them over? Because humans are there. Humans make things weird. Come on. Our founding fathers have now looked at today at the planet Earth and say like, yay, everything's going like we planned. Right? It's weird. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As Paul's writing, he's literally saying to this, how to live the Christian life appropriately. He wanted to lead them and to follow balance in their walk with God, and he wanted them to honor each other with their gifts. Paul addresses the spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth. Now, I'm going to do some reading today, and I'm going to read today. I don't normally preach out of this, but I'm going to read today out of the message translation. Not because it's the most accurate translation, but because it's a really good paraphrase, right? If you want a really good translation, I want you to just go look up the American Standard or the New King James or what I use sometimes is the living tra New Living Translation. I use that. But today, just for funsies, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. You can follow along if you want to, but it will not match, I promise. I'm going to read the message translation to you because I want you to get the gist. Fair? You want to go back and check it, check it. Go back and read it. But today, just right now, for the next few minutes, I want you to get the gist. Paul the Apostle is addressing the church of Corinth because it got wacky. They started saying, my gifts are more important than your gifts. They started to say, I'm going to do it because I'm louder and you're quieter. Therefore, me, I'm more important than you. Aren't you glad our church doesn't do that? Come on now. Aren't you glad that your house doesn't do that? We all have a propensity for that. So today, let me just, for fun, read you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can get the picture of what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you this morning. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says this. What I want to talk to you about now is the various ways God's Spirit, God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood. But I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Pause. Let's just love that. Like his intention isn't to confuse you. His intention isn't to throw you off. His intention isn't to throw some sort of a curveball past you and strike you out. His intention is to help you understand. All right? Here we go. This is complex, often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Verse 2. Remember how you were when you didn't know God. Led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing. Just doing it because everyone else did it. It's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek and understand him as well as we can. Somebody say amen. Verse 3. For instance, 
By using your heads, you know perfectly well that the Spirit, would never, the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus be damned. Nor would anyone be inclined to say, Jesus is master, without the insight of the Holy Spirit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they're all, they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action in everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and all kinds of people. Pause. Paul's now just trying to lay the foundation. He's going to start talking about spiritual gifts. He's going to begin to unpack a few spiritual gifts. Now, please know this. Paul is in no way trying to say, this is all of the spiritual gifts. This is it. If you don't show up here, then you didn't get any. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, here are some spiritual gifts. Right? Here's what he says. Verse 8. The variety, he says, is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are, are have a common origin, but are handed out by one, one by one, by one spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. I love this, man. Paul is just literally saying, like, guys, let me just spell this out for you. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of giftings. Nobody's a bigger deal than another person. We're all needed, right? Come on, we, listen, if we get a hold of this, here's what you're going to realize, that God gave you certain gifts that he didn't give her or him. And you're, here's what we're going to realize, that we need each other, and that I'm not a bigger deal than you are, and you're not a bigger deal than they are. Come on. That's God's intention, right? So that people could look at the body and go, ah, that's who Jesus is. I get it. He loves us and he cares for us. And he has so many different ways to want to try to show that to the planet. Okay, here we go. Verse 14. Go down to verse 14. I want you to think about how all of this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If a foot said, I'm not elegant like a hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would it make it so? If an ear said, I'm not beautiful like an eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve the place on the head, would you want to remove it from your body? If the body was all an eye, how could it hear? If, if all an ear, how could it smell? As it is, we, we see God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from being blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you're a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, it'd be a monster. Love that. What, would we, what we have is one body with many parts. Each is proper sized and proper placed. No part is more important, on it, no part is important on its own. 
Can you imagine an eye telling a hand, get lost, I don't need you, or a head telling the foot, you're fired, your job is phased out? As a matter of fact, in practice, uh, in practice, it works just the other way. The lower part, the lower the part, the more, the, the more basic, therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but you can't live without a stomach. Where is that, where, where it's part of your own body, your, I'm sorry, where it's part of your own body that you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion than full-bodied hair? Come on. Some of you are like, well, you know, a little hair wouldn't hurt. A little hair wouldn't hurt. There we go. There you go. That's the problem. You get older and hair starts growing in all the wrong places. It's like, do you move up off my... There we go. Just kidding. Okay, go down to verse 25. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Man, there's a key verse right there. God wants us to see the whole church. We're one body. Here we go. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. In other words, Paul's saying here, I'm going to tell you some people and some places and some giftings, but I'm not going to tell you all of them. Right? Here we go. Verse 26. The parts we see and the parts that we don't. If one part hurts... Every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. That's so huge. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part in that body does your part mean anything. Let me read that again. Only as you accept your part of the body does your part mean anything. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in his church, which is his body. Now he's going to tell us another list of some gifts that are in the body. Listen to what he says. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, and those who speak in tongues. Pause. Most of us read this list and we're like, I'd like to go to that church. Wish some of those people were here. Come on now. You're just like... Seriously, apostles, prophets, evangelists, all these people that are talking right here, uh, teachers, miracle workers, come on, bring in some of those people. Right? Let, let me just back up and tell you some of the Greek translation of some of these very words. Apostles. You know what the word apostle means? One who is sent forth. Now, you know our mission statement tagline is to send loved, mended, and trained people out. All of you are sent all of you were sent ones. Some of you were sent to your jobs. Some of you were sent to your homes. Some of you were sent to your schools. Some of you were sent to your, your neighbor. Some of you were just, we're all sent ones. You're all apostles, Jesus' name. Right? Can you imagine if you actually viewed yourself as a sent one? Now here, the word apostle means a couple of things. It means one of the 12 or one who is sent. Let's go on. It says prophets. Some of you are just like, man, prophets. Where are the prophets? You know, it's funny. There are actually people who have gifts of prophecy here at your church. I can name it Carol, Doug, Lori. I can tell you some people around here who literally have the gift of prophecy. What are they? Here's what we do as Christians. We're just kind of like, seriously, I need to talk to one of those prophets to find out my lotto number. Right? It's so sad because we kind of turn prophecy into Christian fortune telling. It ain't that. The word prophecy simply means to tell truth. It literally means to tell truth and get confirmation. 
The great thing about the people who come to me with the gift of prophecy, they all, they, here's what I love about people who have the gift of prophecy. I view them like, uh, like the Amazon driver. The Amazon driver comes to my house. You know what they do every time? Because they come a lot because my wife shops on Amazon. I'm like, what? I'll tell you this, right? They come to my house. Here's what they do. Just kidding, hon. They, they come to my house and they drop the package off. You know what they do then? They take a picture and then they leave. They just leave. You know what they never do? They never, ever, ever stop and go, what'd you get? (laughs) Go ahead, open it up. I want to see. They never do that, right? Because they're just delivering the groceries. They're just delivering the goods. Someone who's the gift of prophecy says, hey, look, I don't need to get a favor or a downer. I just want to be able to tell you the truth that I'm hearing from God. Here, there you go. Now, Lance, go test it by the word of God and other people who spend time in God's word. I love that. Some of the people that we have in your church that do that, right? Prophets. And by the way, some of you have gifts of prophecy and you don't even know it. You've told me several times, hey, I think we should do this or not that. This is what I sense from the Lord. And you just say it as a passing comment. And I'm like, man, that was from the heart of Jesus. Well done. I hear God speaking through you. That was, we don't say, well, that was a prophetic word, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> right? You, you, you could. You'd look weird, but that's awesome. Listen to this. Teachers. Apostles, prophets, teachers. What are teachers? Well, I can tell you just a handful. Becky, Chris, Amy. I mean, there's a bunch of people in our church who are all teachers. Don't overthink it. I love what Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Use your head. Right? Paul's saying, hey, look, there's a bunch of you who have all kinds of gifts. Mommy, daddy. All you guys are teachers. You're teaching something to somebody. Amen. And he goes on here. Listen to this. It says miracle workers. Miracles. Now, now that's a whole different category now. We're talking miracle workers. I love that you would look at that that way, but this is what it actually means. Miracle workers. Miracle workers simply mean power, strength, and ability. Actually, it means someone who has resource that shares it generously. Crazy, right? How many of you have ever been in a spot and said, Lord, I need a miracle. I need you to show up, either financially or some other way. I just fall, I need a miracle, right? And you've heard me say before, by the way, you can't get a miracle until you're into a position that requires one. Right? And people are like, okay, then I don't want a miracle, Jesus. Whatever you do, <laughs> keep it. Right? Let me tell you this. People who have the gift of, of miracle, they show up and they're like, hey, I got and I'm going to serve and I'm going to give. I'm going to pour out through God's given stuff and whatever it is, wisdom, whatever it's finances, whether it's a resource, whatever it is. Like, there are miracle workers that show up that are here at your church. Come on. All over the place. Listen to this. How about healers? People are like, man, I'd like to know a few healers. I can tell you a few healers. Natalie just walked in a room. Literally, the, the pastor, our Tom uh, Seiler, Carrie Joe Timmer, all these doctors and nurses. I'm telling you right now, Sarah over here, like there's people who in the medical field, you know what they're considered in the Bible? Healers. Why? Be- because they're smart. They know that too much of this is not going to be good and too little of that is not going to be good. And they're inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to pray and to lead you. And sometimes God does miraculous things through them. Sometimes he uses their education and the stuff that they've learned so that you can be healed too. Amen? See, we, we get so crazy because we're like, now I'm waiting for the faith healer to stand on the back of a flatbed and yell and scream in really loud speakers. That's a healer. I, I'm telling you, that's not what the Bible's implying here. He's saying, hey, look, some of you, don't, don't dismiss or diminish the power of the Holy Spirit because the, God has shown up. There's been many times. I remember one time I stood up here and I had a, an AFib situation, right? And there's all the doctors in the room and the nurses all came up to me and said, hey, 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 I saw something. I saw something. 
Like, what's that? And then they, I had to go to the hospital, and I got checked out. Everything's fine, all that stuff. But nevertheless, I, I saw all of you guys emerge. Your spiritual gift of miracles showed up. And I'm like, wow, wow, hey, look at that. I'm like, just, can you give me something to take it away? And they're like, nope, go to the hospital. <laughs> Come on. How about helpers? Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers. Who are the helpers? All over the place. There's helpers everywhere. You guys all around this church, you're just, hey, there's something needs to be done. You just help. You do it. Organizers, right here in the Bible. Prophets, apostles, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers. Organi- I love organizers. If I was going to plant a church today, if Polly and I were going to leave and go plant a church today, I would, take, I, would, I would take like six organizers and one worship leader and me. <laughs> Trust me. If something needs to happen in the church today, we need some order. Jesus' name. Organizers, administrators, come on now. You know, you bump into those people, they just make, they, they make stuff go like it's supposed to. All over the place. You're here, Diana, Jasmine, I mean, Laura, all you people around here, there's so many gifts sitting right here in our church. Here's the problem with most of us. Most of us don't actually think we got any spiritual gift. Most of us think like, eh, like I was talking to a fellow the other day and he said, I, I don't, Lance, I, I'm afraid I don't have any spiritual gifts. And I remember I was out near his house cutting firewood a couple of, about a month ago, and he came walking down with a cold uh, thermos with ice in it and a large cup of iced tea. And he came walking over and he set it down next to me and he's like, hey, just thought I'd bring this to you. And I said, that's awesome. The youth pastor at our church, Caleb, would have never done that for me. <laughs> Thanks for the help. Just want you to know. I appreciate that about you, right? He goes, I didn't, he said this to me, I don't feel like I helped, I just did what Christians should do. And I was like, ah, I see your spiritual gift and you see nothing. He goes, I know, man, but can I tell you this? Here's what I think normal Christians should, all of you should be standing up here talking because it's the normal Christian thing to do. Because it's normal to me. You're like, heavens no. (laughs) Come on now, your spiritual gift should feel normal to you. It should feel like, I've told you this before. If you really, 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 really want to know what your spiritual gift is, two things. One, just find some place to serve and your gift will show up. Second thing, if you really want to know, ask your spouse, but make sure you're not in a fight first. And they'll tell you what you're good at. If you're in a fight, they won't, I promise. And then finally, those who speak in tongues. I love this. Those who speak in tongues. In verse 29, it says this. We'll go down to that in a second. But, is it, but it's obvious by now, isn't it? That Christ's church is a complete body, not a gigantic, unidimensional part. part. It's not an apostle. It's not all an apostle. It's not all a prophet. It's not all a miracle worker. It's not all a healer. It's not all prayer in tongues. It's not all interpreter of tongues. And yet some of you keep keep competing for so-called important gifts. I love this. Uh, we're going to get to the tongue thing here in a second because I know some of you have been confused. Some of you have said to me, Lance, I got all this stuff I got, but I don't have the gift of speaking in tongues. I just don't have that. But let me just tell you this. You might have a propensity in an area of a gift, but you might think to yourself, well, um, I like for example, you might have the gift of teaching, for instance, but somebody needs some chairs stacked, and you, teacher, are like, well, I am a teacher. I don't check stack chairs. I'll tell you this right now. If you need chairs stacked, stack chairs. Some of you are like, well, look, I'm, 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 a, I'm a worship leader. And as a worship leader, listen, we need some people to pray for healing. You're, I'm not a healer. Let me tell you, pray for healing. 
Just get in there and do what you got to do. See, that's what I love about the body of Christ is that sometimes God will give you an emphasized gift, but then he'll also give you other things to do. That's where we, we're not to disengage our brain. Perfect example. I met Fred Meyer the other day. I'm in the, uh, the aisle that has the Parmesan cheese. The Parmesan cheese was up high. Lady comes walking up to me, shorter lady. She looks at me. She looks up at the cheese. She looks at me. She looks up at the cheese. And she goes, hey, you want to help a sister out? Grab that for me. You know what I said? Yep. Reached up there. I grabbed it. Handed it to her. Job done. Let me tell you this. My spiritual gift is not Parmesan cheese grabbing. I'm not gifted Parmesan cheese grabber. That's not it. But you do what you got to do, right? I'm trying to be funny because I want to make you understand like whatever it is that is needed at the moment, God can equip and empower you to do. The problem with the Corinthian church is they were like, well, I'm a teacher, I'm a prophet, I'm a healer, and I don't do the other things. And Paul's like, get over yourself. Do what needs to be done, right? I love that. Okay, let's back up just for a little moment here. Paul says this. He says, interestingly enough, about this speaking in tongues thing. Can everyone speak in tongues? Last week I told you that if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can speak in tongues. I didn't say you have to, but I said you could. And we unpacked what tongues was and all that stuff. It's interesting. There are some people who have, by the way, the gift of speaking in tongues here. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. But the, the gift of speaking in tongues here literally is talking about other languages. Sometimes even earthly languages. Paul goes on to say, though I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but don't have love, I'm just making noise. In other words, there are tongues of angels and of men, right? So the point is this, do we all speak in tongues with that kind of thing in interpretation? Are there corporate tongues for bigger situations? Yes. I'm up here giving you a tongue right now in English, right? I'm, I'm speaking, I'm the guy with the microphone, I'm doing the talking, right? And hopefully your brain is doing the interpreting. And somewhere on planet Earth, somebody might have to translate it into another language. I'm, I'm literally just talking to you in a tongue right now. So what about this prayer language thing we talked about last week? Of course you can. All speaking in tongues is, is communication between you and God, right? It's, it's like a husband and a wife. It's like the intimacy in marriage, right? In other words, when you got married, you didn't get a free pass to tell your wife, hey, sorry, I didn't get the gift of communication. You, you got to learn to how to do it, right? So I said to last week to you, if you don't know how to speak in tongues, just practice. You go get yourself alone in your car, in the shower, and just practice. Will you feel silly? Of course you will. But do you feel silly trying to ride a bike for the first time? Everyone feels a little silly. Why do I want you to be encouraged to speak in tongues? Because when you do, you get built up in your most holy faith. God does something deep inside of you to impact the planet. He literally wants to use you by having intimacy with you alone. Amen? And are there tongues for a corporate body? Sure, I just explained to you. I'm speaking one right now. I could break off into Swahili if you'd like, but I don't know Swahili. So <laughs> you wouldn't know if I was speaking it or not. Okay, this is what I really want to nail down to this real quickly before we go. Verse 31, the most important thing. The end of verse 31, look down at that if you could. In, the, in this message translation, it says it this way. But now I want to lay out a far better way for you. Pause. He's literally saying, I've been talking to you about your, your gifts. I've been talking to you about your place. I've been talking to you about your stuff. And to the average American Christian, we're just kind of like, that's all you should be talking to is about me and my stuff. Because the world's kind of about me, isn't it? I mean, as Christians, we're kind of like that. I want to be blessed. I want to be provided for. I want to have a future. I want to have a hope. That's why Jeremiah 29, 11 is such a great verse for us. 
I know the plans I have for Lent, says the Lord. That's what my Bible says. Yours should say the same. Because we're so, we're so about ourselves. It doesn't say that. It says, I know the plans I have for y'all. Okay, let's go on. But now I want to lay out to you a far better way. Some of your Bibles actually say it this way, a more excellent way. Some of them say a most helpful gift. Some of them even say the best and most important of all. Paul right now is going to unpack the most important gift of all the gifts that we just got done talking about. Listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Live or go after a life of love as it is, as if your life depends upon it, because it does. Give yourselves to the gifts that God gives, but most of all, try to proclaim his truth. In other words, he says, let love be your highest goal. See, most of us turn 1 Corinthians chapter 13 or 14 into the verse that gets read at weddings. Love is patient, love is kind, love is all the things. We go into the chapters 12 and 13 and 14 and we read those at weddings as if that's the only place they fit. Paul's trying to use all three of that. Remember, this is one letter. And Paul's writing and he's saying, y'all are getting wrapped around the axle about your particular spiritual gift as if it's the most important thing. Paul says, all that stuff is cute and super important, but the most important thing is love. Love. You know what the world needs right now? They need to see love. You know what the world sees right now from the church? Opinions? Hurt? I'm right, you're wrong, I'm going to heaven, you're going to hell? That's what they're hearing. They're, 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 there's a sense of judgy all around us. Come on now. You know, you live in the world I do, right? Oh, you're a born-again Christian. Oh, okay, I know who you are. You're already judging me. You're like, I'm just breathing. You're judging. Come on now. That's the world. You know what they want to see? They, they, they want you to help them carry their groceries in the, in the house. They, they want to help you. They, they want you to show Jesus love. Sometimes this is the last thing we do. Okay, just for the sake of time, go down to verse chapter Galatians chapter 5. Same guy, Paul, writing the book of Galatians chapter 5. This is super important. Paul now, in, in Galatians, he's going to explain and unpack what love is. The Bible calls it a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5.22, it says this, But when the Holy Spirit controls us, controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. Pause. When I was a kid, uh, in my, at our house uh, where I grew up, we had in the backyard a pear tree, plum, tr plum tree, apple tree, blueberry bushes all in the back, right? And, um, and most of the time, oh, I spent most of the time picking up all the dead fruit off the ground so I could mow the lawn, right? Because it was like we would never go out and harvest because we were just goofy people living in the house that had fruit. But here's the funny thing. There, there were different times of the year, like the plums. We had this plum tree that was... Have you ever eaten plums at the wrong time? Come on now. You eat plums when they're a little green and hard? Bad idea, right? Because it's like you could break a window with those things. It's bad. They're, they're just hard, right? Bitter. Like it just makes your teeth feel weird, right? But, but then, but then the, the plums start to, to ripen up a little bit, and they turn purple, and they get kind of soft and supple. There's a window. There's a perfect window of time. You think I bought that bugger? Mm, come on. 
Jesus shows up. Same fruit, different expression. Now, if you wait a little longer, that plum on that tree gets even a little more soft. In fact, so soft it falls to the ground. If ever, before the bees get there, you pick up one of those plums, take a bite of it, it's bland. Doesn't taste the same fruit, different expression. I could say that about all the fruit. The apples, the pears, same thing with the pears. Early on in a pear, mm, bitter, hard. Right? Time, perfect. On the ground, bland. How is it that one fruit can have so many different tastes? I'm going to explain to you this. The Bible says here, the fruit of the Spirit. And here's what most people do. In fact, you go to any Bible bookstore, Google yourself silly. You're going to type in the fruit of the Spirit, and you're going to hear six or seven. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithful, self-control. And we're like... Here's what we do is we separate our rational minds from actually what God's trying to say. Here's what, he's, here's what he wants for you to understand. Um, pear trees, this is crazy. This is like, you need to write this down. This was college education. Pear trees only produce pears. <laughs> Plum trees, plums. Great blueberry bushes, I'm telling you. I tried and tried to have them grow strawberries, but all they did was produce blueberries. It was every year. It was crazy. I would even, we, we, I'm telling you, they still came back blueberries. Crazy, right? Let me tell you this. God wants to grow fruit off of your tree. You know what the tree is called that he wants you to grow? Here's what we think it is. It's called the love, joy, peace, patience, kind of gentle, self-control. You know what it's actually called? It's called the love tree that produces one fruit, love, that manifests itself joyful patient, kind. God has one fruit, love. See, but we, what we do, we're like, well, I'm working my patience fruit right now. I'm working my patience. No, man, work your love fruit patiently. Work your love fruit and be nice. Work your love fruit and be gentle. Work your love fruit and be kind. Over and over again, right? In fact, it says here, love that allows room for joy. Love that brings uh, peace to your heart. Love that creates space for patience. Love that helps you exercise kindness. Love that empowers faithfulness. Love that makes room for gentleness. Love that strengthens self-control. See, the whole point here is this, is that we kind of tend to think like, I have to really work up all this fruit. The word fruit here is, is like a, a bowl of fruit, right, in your, on, the, on your counter. A bowl of fruit you can have apples and oranges and everything else. Literally here it's saying one fruit. You have one fruit. Just like the bitter or, or sour plums or apple I was telling you about, it can manifest itself in different flavors. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes and indwells your life, he wants to produce fruit. Here's my fear, is that the church of Jesus Christ today is only producing bitter, sour fruit. That's a way overstatement. But I'm saying a lot of it is coming across crazy. What a lost and dying, scared world needs is some healthy love. Come on now. Just straight up love. This is where I think the church messes up because we're trying to overthink it and over-spiritualize it. What about my spiritual gift? Listen, you show up and help your neighbor mow their lawn and smile. You show up and serve your, 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 your kid's teacher by bringing them something and saying, hey, look, I believe in you. 
Could you, and there's some of you today who live in here and you guys are school teachers. Let me tell you this, you need the Holy Spirit like crazy. I can't imagine the crazy pressure you're living under. School bus drivers, oh, Jesus, strength of patience be upon you. Police officers, doctors, all of you who are in the, all of you who, let me tell you this, we need the imparting, empowering Holy Spirit in everything we do. Listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you speaking in tongues and breaking out in all your songs and all the things that you do, ain't for church services only. Remember, he lights the pilot light so that he can fill the room. What room? The room you're in. Where? Wherever you're in. What does he want to fill you with? Love. How does he want to use the love? Through your gifts. How do we know what my spiritual gifts are? Just start serving and your gift will show up. Listen, if you're an administrator, pick up a broom and start sweeping. I promise you, if you have the gift of administration and you're sweeping floors, you, I promise you, will look over at someone else and say, there's three others over there, go grab one. And you'll administrate yourself silly by the best way to sweep a floor. If you have the gift of teaching, and right now we need workers back in the Sunday school room with the kids, let me tell you this, we need some teachers back there who can teach lovingly. Be nice. So this thing today we have, Sync Up Sunday. You walked into church today. There's all kinds of booths and all kinds of rooms for people to start and set up. We have in our church, to, I tell you this, if you want to get connected at our church, you need, to do, you need to show up, sync up, and serve, right? Sync up. This is what we call Sync Up Sunday. Our intention is for you to be connected. Why do I want you to be connected? Well, a couple of reasons. One, it'll help you stay accountable. Two, it will give you opportunity for your spiritual gift to show up. How? Because if you have the gift of hospitality, there's lasagna cooking at your house. Not a wrapped up muffin in plastic. Come on. I've been to houses that have the gift of hospitality. You walk in and you're just like, I'm home. We try. We do our best to be hospitable here, but come on now. You have the gift of helps? Start serving your neighbor. Start serving your, your doctor friends. Start, start being nice. You get my point, right? The point is let your gift show up. But I don't have any spiritual gifts. Start just doing the next right thing and your gift will show up. God was trying to show children how to find spiritual gifts. Here's what I don't want you to do. Google yourself a spiritual gifts assessment test. Just don't. Because you'll try to find something that's not you and you'll be, I'm terrible at that thing. Just don't. Just start serving somewhere. Or ask somebody close to you and say, hey, what do you think of me? What are my gifts? Amen? So this morning, I'm going to pray for you. Some of you today need to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time. Some of you who are watching online need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. And, and literally, you can have the gift of speaking in tongues and have the, the pilot light lit in you so that you can literally fill a room. Some of you today need to be infilled or refilled. So I want to pray for you this morning. Can we do that? Just put yourself in a posture to receive today. Father, today we come and we say we need you. We can't do without you. Are there some here today who need to surrender their life completely to you for the very first time? If that's you and you're here or you're listening online, I want you to just say, come on, Jesus, I give you me. Take all my sin and all my shame, all my dirty yuckies, and I, I just give it to you. 
and you give me your Holy Spirit. Light the flame in my heart. Maybe here for the first time, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Say, Jesus, I want to be baptized. The Bible says all you got to do is ask. It doesn't say you have to say magic words or come to the front. It just simply says ask. Lord, I pray that you baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Maybe today you're dry and you need to be filled up again. Just say, Jesus, will you please fill me again? Fill me to overflowing. I need your Holy Spirit flowing out of me this morning. I need a new infilling of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.